Welcome to the Fat AZ Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. I know what you guys are thinking, but you're wrong. Vance is not in the front of the Ranger yet. He is uh, He's running late tonight. So it's me in this pole barn by myself. I have Todd Young from Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. He's on the phone. I got Hoosier Heartland Guide Service, William, Bill, Bennett, however you address him. He is our guest tonight. He is also today's sponsor. Uh, if I don't sound the same, I do have a sore throat, so I apologize. But I'm going to muster through this without the help of Vance for the first part. And I'm not going to let him live it down. So, I guess... Welcome, Bill. Welcome, Bill. Hey, welcome, Bill. Glad to have you. So, uh, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, what... Uh, so the podcast, Fat Easy Musky Products, brought to you by... It's also Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. You guys heard it. You know where to go. Uh, I'm going to let the next plug go to Bill. If uh, Bill, let us know where to get in contact with you. What do you do? How you do it? How's things been? Go. Uh, well, it, to contact me, I'm, my website is uh, www.hoosierheartlandguideservice.4t.com or I'm on Facebook, uh, either on William Bennett, or I've got Hoosier Heartland Guide Service there on Facebook too. So basically, that's the easiest way to get hold of me. All right, and you guide for strictly musky, or do you guide for all multi? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm strictly no, I'm I'm strictly musky here in Indiana waters. Okay, uh, I guide primarily in West. I guide on uh, Webster, the Barbie Chain, uh, Tippecanoe Lake. Uh, you know, basically all the area lakes that have muskies in them. Upper Long, um, that's one that uh, our club has been stocking exclusively. You know, plus all the other area lakes. I mean, we've got a whole bunch of them around here. Twenty, or there's actually twenty-seven, I believe, that are here in Indiana. They have muskies in them now. Oh wow, I had no idea. I thought there were just a couple fisheries. That, that's interesting. No, no, yeah. Indiana is becoming a a very supreme fishery. In fact, Webster is the broodstock lake for Indiana. I mean, there's okay. There's five fish. There's five fish an acre in that lake. Wow. You know, so yeah, seven hundred and seventy-four acre lake, man. Well, you actually get 574 on, on Webster. You get 200 acres that's on backwater. It's attached to Webster. So, you know, you get 734 acres, and there's there's quite a bit of fish in there. Yeah. That, now, most of your lakes are uh, on the smaller side, size, correct? Y- yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah. They're, you know, we're not, you know, we're not. <laughs> we're not Eagle Lake or, you know, I mean. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, they are all smaller inland lakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, so are, 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 are any of them natural lakes? Uh, well, yeah, there are some natural lakes. Mississippi um, mm-hmm. is a natural lake. They're all basically natural lakes. Um, now, I should say that Webster is kind of like, if, you know, years ago they dredged it out and made five little lakes and a one big lake. So, I mean, okay. it, you know, it's somewhat half man-made, you know, half natural. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's a hybrid. Yeah. yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, they're going to put a dam on them to control everything. I mean, even the natural lakes right. here, you know, all the natural lakes usually have some type of a, at least around here, some type of a dam because they don't want to flood people's houses and stuff. So, you know, they're all taking The Barbie Chain has a control dam on it. Bolster's got a control dam, so does Tippy. In fact, the Tippy River starts right there on Tippy, you know. And it flows all the way through Indiana, right there in Illinois. So, cool. 
Now, when you uh, when you, you you know, like Todd touched on, the lakes are, are are smaller. When you take clients out, are you like working one lake the whole time and really picking it apart, or will you lake hop? Will you go? Well, um, it, it it depends basically. Now, I mean, we get so many lakes we can fish, um, and, and that's you know, I mean, and they're all five ten minutes from each other. So let's say you know, if I start on Webster and they're just not moving, you know. You know, and now, you know, I'll just talk to the guys and let them, you know, basically call the shots. I mean, and, you know, they're the ones that, you know, paying the bill. So, <laughs> but if I know they're going somewhere else, we'll start somewhere else first. You know, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you can, you can leave one body of water and be on another body of water in five, ten minutes. You know, unless, you know, unless we go a little bit east, you know, over to Upper Long or any of them, you know, by half hour trip. Uh, typically. But, yeah, it's all, re- it's all relatively pretty close. Yeah. Typically, are all the lakes like bottom wise and structure size? Are they are they all like kind of the same to each other, or like you know you take a ten minute drive? Yeah, well, a majority of all of our lakes, almost all of our lakes that have musk in them, are musk bottoms. We don't, you know, see that is one thing that I think the DNR really like about our lakes is because we don't have no natural reproduction coming on. There's one lake which is Fall Lake. That is having natural reproduction in that one, but all the rest of them have muck bottoms. So when the spawn comes and happens, they get, you know it just you know the fish go through the motion, but it just never happens. Yeah, it just you know the, they get up in the shallows and they go through their you know they go through their spawning rituals. And what happens? That muck covers up the eggs, and they just never get a chance to ever happen. Plus, the DNR actually put nets all around Webster. And that's how they get their eggs from there. And then they, you know, and they get those in April. And usually, uh, I think it was about about a month ago is when they actually stocked. And what they do with the overflow is some of them go to some of the other lakes, and then some of them actually get traded off. And the DNR and DNR will actually trade them off to, uh, you know, they'll they'll call up, you know, Ohio and say, hey, you know, we'll give you so many muskies for, so many walleye, and they'll do this thing for the other states too. I wonder what the exchange rate is on a muskie. Yeah, yeah. Are they, are they like sitting down and they're like, okay, our muskies this year are so good, we need to get seven walleye from you, and they're like, no, our walleyes are really good this year. We'll give you four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the states used to do a lot of that, you know, but that VH. VHS F disease or VHS disease early uh right. put, a, put a damper on that. You know, Pennsylvania traded with Tennessee to get hybrid uh, striped bass and stuff. And they we Pennsylvania would give the walleyes down there because they don't really you know uh, have the natural uh, the walleye population in some of the southern lakes. And uh, but yeah, that that, that uh, you know that really is uh, not happening as much as it used to. It's interesting to hear that. Uh, I mean, 
You know, it's not like going up north. You know, it's not yeah. like going to Canada. I mean, you know, yeah, you mm-hmm. got You know, there's a bunch of residential houses all across the lake, all around yeah. them. And it's, you know, it's then you know you still get your residential. You know, your or what we call Lakers. You know, during mm-hmm. during the season, you get your speedboats out there. And, yeah, you know, but some of the other lakes that's nice too, like the Barbie Chain. Let's see, the Barbie Chain got seven lakes attached to it. Okay, and. Only one lake they can go wide open on, where the rest of them is they have idle, you know, idle only, or 10, oh, okay. 10 miles an hour or less. But, you know, those lakes you can actually get out and fish during the day and not really get dive bombed too bad. Mm-hmm. But all the other lakes, yeah, you're, you know, you better fish in the morning, fish in the evening. It's the best time to get, you know, unless you want to get out there with the waves and yeah. deal with yeah. them, which, you know, I've found a lot of times that when fish are active too, so. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have a large population of people on uh, my lake that I fish at, and, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't bother the fish. I, I'm totally convinced of that. It bothers the fishermen more than the fish. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, they do. Well, muskies, you know what? Muskies are a different breed. You know, they're not like normal fish. I mean, our, I've actually seen in our, you know, like in our channels and stuff, you know, boats go by, and we'll see you know, fish laying, like spawning, spawning time. You know, fish are laying up in, you know, two feet of water. Mm-hmm. You know, a boat will come by, a boat will come by, and that fish will actually swim over, let that boat go by, and swim right, and they go right back where they were. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. used to it. They are used yeah. to it, you know. It's, yeah. yeah. You know, that's their home. <laughs> you know, they don't like it, but, you know, mm-hmm. I think they deal with it. They got no choice. They can't leave. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, pretty much have no choice. They're kind of stuck there. <laughs> yeah, I know that, like, when, when I fish with Todd and stuff like that, the size of the, the lake has a big effect on how bumpy it is from, from boat traffic. Now, I haven't been out on, like, Fourth of July weekend and stuff on Chautauqua. But you go to my little lake that's just a mile or two down the road, 250 acres, and you get two or three jet skis, a couple people tubing, this and that. It's like... Close to white capping mm-hmm. out there from Wake, it, and it, it it Todd's probably right. You know, those fish are used to it, but man, unless you're in like a twenty foot boat, it's tough to do anything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It just makes for tough fishing, you know. That's what you know. People ask me all the time, you know, aren't they afraid of the boat and this and that? And you know, we catch a lot of them short line trolling. You know, they come up and do the boat side strikes, obviously. And uh, yeah, well, well yeah, that's another thing we do a lot of around here too. I mean, especially with clients. You know, I mean, yeah. if it gets wavy that day, yeah, well, I'll do some short line trolling. You know, that's, yeah. you know, another way of putting them in the boat, and it makes it easier because people just don't have their sea legs. <laughs> yeah, on a on a Saturday or Sunday, people will say, like, I can't believe they're not afraid of the boat. And I'll look out across the lake. I said, I'll say, you know, if, if the fish were afraid of the boat, where would they go? They'd have to be up on the shore. Yeah. <laughs> right. you know, they have nowhere to go on some days, so uh, they get used to it. Uh, yeah, so but you guys do a lot. Of, you guys do a lot of river fishing, don't you? I I do more than Todd. Todd Todd does some a little bit of river fishing, and uh, yeah. I did actually this year. You know, I, I had you know I have a small little baby. I didn't do a whole lot of fishing this year. I did a little bit, but I, I didn't get on my river but two or three times. And I I, I love it. I, I love the river so much. Just because it, it, you know, my river is relatively small. It's not like I'm fighting other boats. I'm definitely not fighting any recreational boaters. 
And it sounds like the Tibby River then, but you know, most guys don't, you know, I know some guys that do get in there and chase them, but most guys don't, don't touch the river here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's, it takes a couple years, but once you crack it, the, the, the river is, uh, you know, it's, we've talked about it on the podcast many times. The fish is probably going to be here if he's active. And you can just go through your spots. You know, you still get skunks. It's not like it's a guaranteed, but you know, you you kind of know your spots. But you also you can also develop a, a rut that way. Something might change, right. you know, and and you're just hitting the same spots without really exploring anything else, and you never really grow and adapt as a fisherman by doing that. So you know, it has its good right. and bads. But um, so you know what. Typically, how does your day start with, with your guide with your guide trips? Uh, well, it depends. You know, if it's full day or half day, you know. I mean, however they, you know, you know, if it's I, I normally, I mean, w- I normally get them out there a little bit before. I mean, daylight. I mean, I try to, and you know, then if they, then I go, you know, through the old rituals. I show them, you know, the equipment. I show them how to use the equipment. Uh, you know, show them figure eights. Basically, I talked all through that. I, you know, I talked the reason why we have to do the figure eights. And, I mean, to people that have already been out with me, I don't have to worry about that. But <laughs> just get them out there and the rod and there they go. But, um, yeah, you have your different rituals with different clients. Mm-hmm. You know, especially ones that have never used bait catchers before. You know, because that, that's the one thing I've, you know, I've learned through the years that, you know, people that have tried bait catchers before, normally they try the bat, the bat size ones. Yeah. You know, and the problem with the bat size ones, you're talking lighter line, lighter roars, lighter action on a rod, you know, any kind of breeze whatsoever, they're going to backlash and they'll put it down. I can't do that. And, and typically you know, they're running mono too. When, the, the, when they run yeah, mono oh, yeah. on those, and that's awful. That stuff puffs oh, oh, up. Oh, it is. <laughs> we have all yeah, seen those. Mono doesn't cut the, cut the wind as much as the, you know, the super lines do. Yep. But, you know, I mean, with the musky stuff, it's heavier. You know, the gear that you use, I mean, it's, it's just a lot easier. And just, you know, once I usually show them the controls, they're all like, wow. I mean, I, you know, for as many years as I've been guiding, you know, I've only had two that I can know of that it took me about five hours to actually get the, actually get the hang of, you know, the bait casters. You know, I, I sat in the back of the boat the entire day thinking I'm not. <laughs> you know, I did Here's you know here's another one. It's like okay, here's another rod. Give me that one, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean that. And then you know we'll, we'll just you know we fish the spots, um, you know, and just try to get them with you know try to work real hard to get them to fish. You know sometimes they don't you know commit. I mean just like you know the other day. I mean um, you know we had two lazy follows the entire day. You know that's you know that's lucky fishing. You, know, you can't guarantee him. You know you can't guarantee him the bite. Right. Now, I, I got a question for you because Vance finally showed up. I'm here. Do, do you guys have pike in your lakes? Uh, we do have pike in all the lake systems with the muskies, except for Webster. Okay. Webster is the only one that will not have any pike in it, and that's, that's kind of controlled by the DNR. Because if there is any breeding that, has to, that does happen... They don't want it messing. They don't want it messing the lake up. Yep. Now, whether or not somebody's thrown a pike in there, that's a different story. But 
you know, for as many years as I've been fishing it, I've never seen one out of there. Okay. Uh, we've caught them in Barbie. We've caught, you know, we've caught them in all the other, all the other lakes, but Webby. Yeah. Okay. Cause like I led everyone on that the fishing report would be delayed till Vance got here because I wanted him here. Give me some bullet points of what I'm, how long, how long did I miss? Uh, we were going on 50 minutes. 50? <laughs> No, we're at 17. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> 17 minutes. Okay, who am I talking to here? I'm, I'm sorry. I... You're talking to William Bennett from Hoosier Heartland Guide Service. Nice. And, and uh, you remembered. Hoosiers. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, yeah, so we're, we're playing catch-up because we've started late. But I want Vance to be here because I want Vance to tell the, the, the fishing report from Sunday. All right. Uh, well, yeah, I'll... Uh, I, I'll uh, <laughs> I I personally don't have many stories, but uh, we got out. It was a beautiful day. It was a bonus day. Uh, my boat's done for the season. Andy's has been out for now six times in the year. Half a dozen. Half every a dozen, two months. Every two months. Uh, That's a good week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a good week. And, uh, you know, so... Andy pulled the boat out. We got on a lake. Uh, it was like 65 degrees. 65 degrees. Water temps were 47. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was uh, it, it was warm. I was in... I, I, yeah. I mean, we were in like light fall apparel. But the, the, the amazing thing was, I mean, we talked about this before the podcast with Todd and, and Bill. Um, I got a report from this lake that it was 41 degrees on Thursday. And it was up to forty-seven on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's six. That's six degrees. Like we, we said that before. It, that's significant. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. crazy. yes, it is. So, anyways, we get out there, and uh, we got out at noon. We, we fished we, for we put a we put a solid four hours in. Yeah. Yep. From noon to four. Noon to four, and uh, after we 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 pulled up to the spot after Andy drove through a bunch of sand. We were in about a foot of water. Yeah, the, the, uh, the where, where the launch is on this lake, and a lot of people that are local will know exactly where we went, especially from the fishing report we're about to say. But the one launch is actually an inlet, uh, like a, a, a stream inlet to this lake, and it silts in to the point to where I literally trimmed my motor up to where the prop was almost out of the water, and I was still dragging bottom. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. So, okay. So I wasn't, I was happy we didn't take my boat. Yeah. And or even offer. I don't think I offered. I was like, oh, we could we could go with mine, but no, the Ranger looks nice, dry in in storage. But yeah, so that's we what get, I say. That's why it stays here. Yeah, <laughs> we get out. Uh, we're the cleanest boat on the lake. Looks pristine, shining. There's there's a lot of fishermen out. There was there was a ton of people out. Everybody had the same ideas. Uh, you know, you get those nice days out of nowhere in the winter, and uh, you know you pull the boat out one more time. And, uh, you know, we, we get to a couple spots we're going to cast. We're going to give it hell for a couple hours, you know, a couple hours. And uh, we pull up. The, the weeds were, they were, they were beautiful. They were like summer weeds. It was Todd, I'm not kidding you. There were times we were pulling weeds up that looked like it was mid-June. Yeah. Not like, a, that not, 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 a, not a hint of, brown. of, of yeah. brown, of decay, of nothing. They were coming up green yeah. like you'd want to eat a salad. Yeah, it was... And, uh, you know, we actually started the season on this lake, and the weeds looked the exact same. It was it's like, it was incredible. It's almost like an aquarium. 
Yeah, it was it was unbelievable, and uh, you know it was it was just a a nice time to be out. You know, I'm saying all that stuff so you could tell that the the fishing report is going to be pretty. Uh, well, okay, lame. let's put it this way: we can make the fishing report as long as we want or as short as we want. Oh, it was just great being out. You know, it's just good to get out there and give it a shot. Oh man! Oh my the, gosh! The clouds were covering the sun. The wind better, was blowing a little bit. Better than work. You know, yeah, it was all that better than BS. Work. You could say, well, it sucked. Well, I'm, for one I'm person, kidding. it did. Okay, so <laughs> I I broke the ice. I had a, I, I I caught a pike on a mud puppy. On a on a mud puppy. I, I brought one bait with me, uh, and you know we we get to the spot we're casting, and a, a pike comes up and nails it. It was pretty. It was it was a it, it was eaten. It was it was a fatty. It was had a little belly on it. You know, it wasn't a hammer handle, so uh, you know it. I got the pike. It, we, the, the skunk he, was out of the boat. The skunk was out of the boat. I mean, it, it took us a little bit longer than I thought. I mean, we probably had a half hour into it. Yeah. We did see a couple little pike coming, but we kind of knew what we signed up for when we got there. Mm-hmm. This lake has a reputation for a heavy pike population and just, you know, a muskie every once in a while, but you got a shot at a just a world-class yeah. fish. Yeah, you know, and, and that's why we chose to go to this lake initially was because... Earlier, when when me and Andy first went out uh, in May, in the in May, we saw some really big muskies in there. Um, I probably saw the biggest muskie I've ever seen in my life swimming mm-hmm. right below the boat in twos. In twos, I mean, we had a group of five. Yeah, it was. It they was, were spawning. Yeah, they were spawning. It was really really impressive and, and cool to see. Um, so you go back to that lake, and you know, there's you fish for the chance, which I love to do. Always have a chance, and um, Andy went on to catch what? Well, hold on. Let's let's let's, <laughs> let's we're gonna play it this way. Vance caught his fish. Let's just say twelve thirty. How many fish did you catch from twelve thirty to four? Zero. Okay. <laughs> Zero fish. Okay. I had one. I had one nail it, and I didn't even. I didn't even set. I was like, oh, there's one okay. right there. So the next question everyone's asking is, why are there footprints on your back, Andy? I'm like because I carried Vance yeah. the rest of the day. Uh, he was the the pike were Andy was using a uh, an eight inch raptor with a soft tail. The pike were slamming it. The the pike, Todd. Remember how I said that orange belly perch, the one that you caught that muskie on when we were in the river. Yeah. I said I'm gonna put this on. I don't even know what I called it, but it was something like you know I don't know. Yeah. And uh, I ended up catching nine in a row oh my god yeah <laughs> i told vance i said we got to make 10 and i'm like okay i got one i got two i'm like well, we're at three i'm like we still got a long way you know i'm like well the boat's at five at six seven i'm like vance i'm gonna need some help here <laughs> i stuck with i stuck with the mud puppy you know the the pike were slamming that thing i really didn't I was musky fishing. I was pike yeah. fishing was, with the same you know, bait. Usually, I mean, <laughs> you know, you read all those those crazy articles. You know, I once read an article that like it it told me at like seven fifty seven with thirty four seconds into into that day that you know if you play off the pike and they're eating a certain bait <laughs> and the moon is at this direction and the sun and there's a two inch ripple on the water to stick with the hard bait. <laughs> and to to try and catch and the not muskies, succumb so. to the grub tail. Yeah, so I was just try I was trying to get a big muskie, so I just I just went with 
what I was comfortable with it and didn't really care to catch a pike. Now, the last half hour, I switched to the soft tail to try to get some numbers in there uh, so we could reach double digits there in our, in our period of fishing. But We I ended up getting it. Yeah. And I, you know, I, at one point, I think I was like seven for seven. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great for the podcast. Seven for seven. Then I ended up whiffing on two. Maybe even a third. I guarantee two. I mean, it could have been a third, yeah. but I, I got nine. So yeah. let's just say I went nine for 12, worst case scenario. Yeah. And uh, I just could not get that last one to hit a personal double digit. I thought I could have sworn we got 11. I swear you hit 10. I did not hit 10. We hit 10. I would love to. I would have loved to have a 10. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, we're also bragging about two foot pike. That, that <laughs> I am I am not bragging. I don't want to be brought into this. I, I kept chucking the mud puppy. I was trying to get a muskie in the boat. I didn't care. I, you know, you get those pike on there. It was. It's like when you know when we when Todd and I went up to Canada and we're fishing. I was like, oh, it, you know, it, it ended up being a, a forty-three inch muskie. But the first thing I thought was just, it's a pike. I bet. Yeah. You know. But so I got to run the boat. We got a bunch of fish. Cut a bunch of hooks. Blood all over the boat. My yeah. hands stunk. It was good. It was good. So that's the fishing report. Let's get back to our guest. Yeah. Okay, Bill, I hope you enjoyed that. That was a meaningless fishing report because no one cares about no, the two-foot no. bike. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, what I've always heard, uh, in fact, uh, Herbie had told me this one time. You know, he said, if you're catching a bunch of pike, leave the area. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but... Well, I would have to leave the lake because yeah, it the was amount cool. of pike in this lake is the equivalent to the Chinese army. Yeah, it's, it, is, it is polluted in there. But it looked nice that you know the weed, the weeds were there and, and whatnot and you always got a chance so yeah so well at least you guys still got weeds most of our weeds are dying off most of them are brown duck you know as soon as the lure touches them they're falling apart and you 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 can fish year round for them out there yes um, yeah we you know everybody well not everybody fishes all year round for them we do have. You know, a couple of guys that do get them through the ice, you know, kind of wish they wouldn't, but, you know, we we can't control that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we have an open season all year round for them. And what? Okay, so, Go ahead. so you're, like, normally ice up and stuff. I, like I said, I've never, I fished for muskies, man, a lot of places, but I've never, never, never stopped it in, in Indiana to try it. Uh, I didn't even know what, uh, I'm sure in northern Indiana you guys would uh, ice up, but, uh. Well, the past couple of years, you know, like I told most, you know, most guys that they're going to ice fish, they better have a gas auger. We've had, I mean, the past two years, we've had over 30 inches of ice. Oh, jeez. Oh yeah. And we don't normally get that much. But, okay. you know, Mother Nature, you know, threw us some really cold past couple of years, and it's been tough. Yeah. You know, if you go out there with, an, with a, if you go out there with a hand auger for kids, you ain't get to it for a while. Yeah, you yeah. better go out with a camper and yeah. relax. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there are guys that do target them to the ice, too. I mean, my, me and myself, we don't. I mean, I've got the equipment, but I just, you know, I just... So what... I just don't want to hurt... I don't want to hurt the fish. Yeah, so, so what's your... What's your... Uh, you know, feel free to explain your uh, logic behind catching them through the ice. What, what, what don't you like about it? 
Well, it's not that it's, it's not really going to, you know, the logic behind it is, you know, the fish got to eat, mm-hmm. you know, and they're going to eat, you know, no doubt they're going to eat. But it's when, you know, if it's really cold out, you know, I've seen guys bring them out, have them out, you know, on the ice a little bit too, to me, a little bit too long, um, you know, and they don't release them right. You know, yeah. the guys do release them, they don't release them right. Now, I mean, I know one guy, in fact, that, you know, he keeps a lot of them, and that's, you know, he can't really stop him from doing it. You know, he's allowed one per day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you know that's what they're there for. The GNR put them in there for that reason. So, I mean, but me and my guide service and most of the other guides around here, we're all catch and release. Yeah. You know, none of us, let them, you know, if it happens to die and it's over a size limit, that's a different story. But, you know, mm-hmm. knock on wood, I've never had that happen, so. So you're, you're you're thinking you're pulling them. You guys are having thirty inches of ice. That's a lot. That's a, it's a lot more than I think. You know the the lake that we fish up here, uh, Chautauqua. From hearing from some of the fishermen around there, I think they got like eighteen inches last year. Uh, and and that was well. A, that's that's about that's about what our normal ice is. Mm-hmm. That's that's about what our normal ice is. But like I said, the past couple of years, because of how cold it's been, we've had you know thirty thirty plus inches of ice. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's it's normally right around eighteen twenty. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. But I think that that was uh, uh, an odd number around here. That was a, a really thick, thick uh, piece of ice that people were drilling through and whatnot. But now they're fishing for right. pan fish and whatnot. But if if you're uh, you know fishing for muskies through them. Um, you know, I would imagine, yeah, that's probably difficult pulling, pulling a fish through that ice and, um, go ahead. Yeah. So, so so when you're ice fishing, I mean, you're just going out there, you're just like catching, catching lunch or something, catching dinner, or or do you just kind of not ice fish? Yeah, just kind of playing around normally, you know. Like I said, normally when it comes to the ice season, I just, you know I don't I don't really target them through you know through the ice. Yeah, so it's it's probably difficult to to pull a muskie through the ice and you know releasing a fish. You know we we get them in the boat, put them right back over quick after you get a couple mm-hmm. pictures and you, and you see them kick off. Uh, but pulling them through a thick piece of ice like that, I I can see where you kind of uh, raise an eyebrow to it that that would be difficult to. To release well, the fish straight you know, back I mean, down through the hole. As you get it back in the hole, you know, you hold her tail. You know, it's just like on the boat, basically, letting them go. You know, I mean, you just you hold their tail, put them back down through the hole. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're ready to go, they're going to, you know, they're gonna, just like the boat. They're going to let you know when they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just personally, you know, I like to be able to watch that fish, you know, swim away. So I know she's going to be good. I mean, I, I've had one. I had one in the past. Um, she was a, you know, real skinny 48 and she, uh, her back of her dorsal was cut off. Her tail was cut off. She had a hard time. I mean, her head was huge. You know, we got her in the, we got her in the net. You know, my buddy and I looked at each other and going, man, we had a really big fish. But once we got her in the net, we looked at her like, where in the heck's the rest of her body? <laughs> it took me 45 minutes to get her swim away. You know, I mean, I, Jeez. I'll nurse them. <laughs> yeah. I don't want them to die. Yeah, I mean, I want to make sure that they are going to be safe when they swim away from me. Yeah, so you pull them up through that ice. It's freezing out. That ice is cold. 
I've seen pictures of, of muskies laying on the ice and stuff and other fish. Yep. They almost look like they're taxidermied. So, yeah, if you pull them right. up, if, you, if you're if you fishing for them through the ice, I guess you got to be even better with your release skills. Even, even more cautious, you know, because you're talking their gills can freeze really fast. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's, I mean, if it's a sunny day, I'm sure it's not going to hurt them that bad. But if it's really cold out, you know, yeah, I mean, they're, you know, their gills will freeze up and yeah. they'll have a hard time coming back from that. Yeah. 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 So when, you know, we're talking a lot about ice fishing. I mean, it's like almost we're excited about it. Yeah. Um, but what, <laughs> when is your favorite time to, to, to fish for muskies? Uh, well, my favorite time really is more in the fall. Um, I mean, we have, you know, I mean, our fish will bite from ice off to ice on. Um, but, you know, I always, you know, I do a lot better in the fall. I mean, just simply put, you know, you first of all, you got suckers out there, you know, and then you're casting and just, you know, just, and the bigger fish are always on their own then. You know, it's just, I don't know. I mean, there's bigger fish caught in the early spring too, don't get me wrong, but it just seems like the bigger more quality fish, the heavier fish, are more from September, you know, late September up to ice. You know, they're they're real big, thick, they're stout, they're you know, they've been eating really good. You know, and, and just you know, they're they're got a good belly to them. Yeah. Now, well, um, so, I mean, late fall is normally my better time. Nice. I like. So I like you guys are out there. Uh, Casting and, and you're taking your sucker. I mean, I know they do that lots of places. You know, we don't really see that many people in our area uh, live bait fishing anymore. I mean, the states have some really crazy uh, laws about you know you, you you have to have a receipt for your bait. You have to have all this. Mm-hmm. We just don't. Have, we just don't have anywhere to get the bait. We touched on that before talking to Craig, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I remember hearing that. Yeah, yeah. What, what what percentage of uh, you know? Do those suckers get a nice percentage of those big fish in the fall for you? Oh yes, yeah. oh yes. I mean, just you know, I mean, just it, it's an easy meal for them. You know, they yeah. just you know, and and just you know, it's it's just you know. First of all, I see guys coming out, you know, and they'll throw you know because we're allowed three rods per person. You yeah. know, I'll see a couple guys come out and they'll throw you know, I'll say two guys in the boat. Uh, they'll put six suckers out, you know, and let them swim around the boat. They're sitting there, not even casting. You know, they're, yeah, that's, man, that's the wrong thing to do, really. I mean, it's not that you're going to get a fish, but your, your odds are going to be a lot better if you're going to cast it, too, because, you know, you may bring that fish up with a, you know, whether it be a bulldog or, you know, whatever you're using, you know, and they may turn right off of that, go to that live bait because it knows it's real, and, you know, it's game on. You know, they just, they know, they, they once their, you know, once their teeth hit that sucker, you know, they know it's real. Yeah. And they don't normally let it go. <laughs> what, what size, oh, I mean, of, yeah, you're, what, 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 what size of base are you looking for? Greg was talking about trying to get, what, what, what I think it was Greg like 18s. Three pounders? Yeah. Yeah. Something? Yeah. I I'm, just wondered what, most what size of the suckers, you got Most of the suckers that I run, um, I mean, if I can, you know, this 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 year our shop did really good and getting us really good meat. And um, I mean, normally I'm running 13, you know, somewhere in the 12, 12 to 15 inch range on suckers. Yeah, I mean, I have been known to put bigger ones out, but uh, you know, it just seems like them, you know, between 12 to 15 inches just do a lot better. I don't know why they just, you know, and sometimes they don't want them; they want the smaller ones. 
you know, you just, you just got to play with them. You know, you get, you know, sometimes I'll throw a smaller one out and then I'll throw a bigger one out and, you know, it may be the smaller ones that get hit and not the bigger ones. They just leave them alone or just stare at them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Plus, I mean, you know, go ahead. No, I was going to just ask you about how you rig them. Do you just do, I mean, there's so many ways to do like the quick strike rigs. Do you make up your well, own? Well, I, okay, this, this I kind of learned, I went out with Rob Manti up in Eagle Lake many years ago. And, you know, I just, I picked his brain a little bit. We were talking about different rigs, and I kind of learned this rig from him. And um, some guys may have watched it on John Gillespie, too, because I know he's been on that show using it. Is, well, I mean, what I do is I use some normal rubber band rig, you know, through the snout, and which is the old uh, Pete Mana design. Mm-hmm. Which um, actually, you know, that kind of brought that drifter and drifters does still sell them. But what I do with the rubber band is after I come through the snout, is I twist the rubber band. It's, it's kind of hard to explain. I mean, I can explain it, but it's easier if I can show somebody. And I've had a lot of guys ask me to make a video of it, and I need to get around to doing that. But what I do is I actually bring bring the rubber band all the way through, and I twist it up about usually about five times. That takes up the slack on the rubber band. Put that around the front, put it back on the snap. And my hooks, now my hooks, what I do is, depending on the size, I mean, sometimes if it's a bigger sucker, I mean, I may use size, you know, three odd hooks, or I might use five odd hooks. It just depends, you know, on what I feel for the day I want. And what I do is the welded hook, now this is the key, the welded hook has to be straight. If you understand what I'm saying, straight mm-hmm. down. Yep. Mm-hmm. You get you, you get the you get the two normal hooks, you know, which is one solid piece of wire that's made into a hook. You got that, and then the welded hook is your weakest hook. So you heat that up with a torch and you straight straight it, straight mm-hmm. it straight down. That way you can just spin it underneath the you know top edge. I normally put one by the dorsal on the sucker. Normally, you know, right alongside or I'll push it right straight through. And the other key to that, too, is when you're making that hook, is don't ruin the point. The point's still got to be on there, otherwise it's going to slip out a lot easier on you. Okay. And then the second hook, the second hook, I normally just pin that somewhere else on the side. Either side doesn't matter. You know, because normally I try it towards the middle. Because, you know, when a muskie picks up, normally... When a muskie picks up a sucker, they hit it. They normally see on it. Um, sometimes they'll hit it by the head, and, you, and it doesn't get a hook in its mouth. But you know, it's just you know you can't control that. You just gotta give them a little bit and see if they'll get their hook in their mouth. Yeah. But that's basically the rig that I use. Because the reason why is to me is that hook because it's just skin and it's straight. When you go to jack that fish, when you go to set set the hook. And the one thing about quick strike rig, any quick strike rig out there, you have to make sure that that fish is going away from you. They have to be going away from you in order for you to set the hook. And normally what, you know, like I tell my clients, you know, once we get that fish going, I'll hand the rod, you know, I'll tell them reel up on it, that I'll turn the trolling motor, I'll be right up on that fish, make sure they're going away from us. Tighten up the slack, lean forward, and hit it, you know, put slack in the line and hit it hard. Then I want you to hit, you know, I tell them to hit it hard again. Hit it, hit it twice. Just to make sure that that, you know, that rubber band has broke, which normally, you know, when you're right on top of them like that, that, that 
you know, very seldom is that rubber band ever not break. Yeah. I, I, I would like to, to coin this term. You just, you define the musky double tap. Yeah. Double tap. Yeah. They, yeah. They, you, <laughs> yeah. You just, yeah. You want to definitely hit them twice. Do you want it, that? You just want... to be sure that that rubber band broke and, and came away from the sucker. But the reason why I straighten my hooks out is because, well, think about it this way. If you use a regular treble hook, and most guys do, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, because if they hit it hard enough, they're going to rip that, you know, they're going to rip skin out of that sucker and they're going to move it. But sometimes you might get, you know, you might put that hook in the wrong area on that sucker and it doesn't want to move. So when you're pulling up on it to set the hook, all you're doing is digging that hook deeper into that sucker and you're actually not pulling it away from the sucker and putting it in the musky's mouth. So with that straight hook holding it on there, it just slides, you know, like like a knife out of butter. Yeah. It just comes out of that sucker, no problem. So you don't want your sucker to turn from an ally to an enemy when a muskie has it. <laughs> Straighten your hooks, kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you've got, you know, well, like I tell everybody, you know, they call it fixed records for a reason. You know, it gives you a little bit of time. Once that, once that you know, muskie picks up that sucker, you get a little bit of time where you can get yourself situated, get the rods put away, you know, get on a trolley motor, hand the rods to, you know, to the client, and just, you know, start chasing them down. Normally, you know, sometimes, you know, occasionally, um, we had one earlier, uh, a couple weeks ago, that really, I don't know what happened, I can't even explain it, but this fish was big. I mean, we never saw it, but I felt it. And he, this fish was going straight down. I mean, I've never had a, I've never had a muskie pick up a sucker that did this. And this, this fish kept going straight, straight down. And handed the rod to the client, you know, and he says, well, what do I do? I said, just go ahead and jack it. And, you know, he, we don't know if they had a good hook in or not, but, you know, he fought it for probably 30 seconds and it got off somehow. So I imagine it was probably on the snout. But, you know, that's just, that's just the way it goes, you know. You just can't always control what the fish do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, do I mean, do you lose a lot of fish on those quick strike rigs? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's just, you know, your percentages, I've noticed, I've noticed through the years since I started straightening that hook, the percentages went up a lot more. So, I mean, you know, using the old rigs I used to use, yeah, you I mean, you lost a few. You know, but just straightening that hook, you just your odds your odds at hooking it was a lot better. Now, are you, are you, are you running your bait just uh, on a float, just up behind the boat as you're casting? Yep. Yeah. Normally, what I what I normally do is I'll put one one or two directly down underneath the boat, and I usually have one up on a float. You know, you I don't leave them too far from the boat. I know some guys that will put them, you know, fifty feet away from the boat. I don't want to chase it down that far. Now, when you okay, say chase it down, I'll put them like maybe twenty feet behind the boat, or sometimes less. Yeah. So when you say straight down, you're just like setting one off the side of the boat with a a good sized weight to keep it down there, or are they just free swimming? No, no. I normally put about an ounce and a half to get them down there. Okay. Yeah, it may be, like I said, maybe a fifteen inch sucker, but that mm-hmm. weight's enough to get them down there. Yeah. They they will they will sometimes swim back up, but you know if if 
if they don't stay down long enough, then I'll I'll add maybe another weight to it if I have to. Okay. But the majority majority of the time, just to add on some half, just keep, kind of keeps them down there. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Interesting. Interesting stuff. I mean, this is all different for us. You know, I mean, I lied basically spent a long time ago. And, uh, you know, back when it was a single hook, you just ate it, suckers, you let them swallow it, you set the hook, hoping it would get hooked in his throat and guts or whatever. I mean, but that's, that's <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, I'm not a, I, personally, I'm not a big fan of a circle hook. I, you yeah. know, I'm just, yeah. I try, I mean, I'm not saying I haven't used them on the smaller suckers, mm-hmm. I may use them, but I just, you know, Years ago, you know, had one die on a circle hook, and I just, I just kind of stayed away from it. Yeah, I've always, I've always stuck with quick strikes. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when you say chase them down, that means you know, if you get one start that, that takes a sucker, you got to get on that trolling motor and turn the boat yep. and get right over them. Yep, I want to be right over them, and if, if, I, you know, sometimes they will pick them up, and they don't even move with them. You know, you've got to get them to move. I mean, there's there's been times where, you know, they'll just pick up that sucker and they just sit there with it. And, you know, I, really what, you know, just like they do with your baits, um, what they do is they're smacking the, you know, they, they hit the bait from the side, you know, to kill it, and they kind of spit it out, turn it around head first, and suck it down. And, you know, they do the same thing with your baits, too. I mean, if, you know, just most people don't really get to see that. You know, I figure out you really don't see that. But that's normally what they do, and it's the same thing with a sucker, too. They normally will stare it down. Um, I can actually watch them on the graph sometimes. Like, on the down suckers, you know, I can watch them right there on the Lorance and, you know, look at them, you know, and know, okay, I got a big arc right there. You know, and all of a sudden that sucker goes antsy. You know, and then you can see it get hit. Hmm. So, I mean, you don't always know how they've been picked up. That's, you know, that, that, that's the gamble on a quick trick rig. You know, you really don't know how they've been hit. Hmm. You know, it's like, well, little, you know, quick story. A couple, uh, a couple weeks ago, I had a, I've got, um, I got a couple of return clients that come with me. They come with me twice every year. And this guy brings, he's got two sons, and he brings one, Usually one trip, even one the other trip. And the other one, I, I feel sorry for this boy for three years in a row. He's had one on a sucker and he's lost him every time. But the one a few weeks ago, he hit it. He, I mean, fish was going away from us. And this, you know, this kid hit it hard. I thought he finally had one hook. You know, and this fish got up to the boat, spit it. And, but some odd reason, one of the hooks had still stayed on the sucker. The other one was free falling. The rubber band was broke. You know, and he was getting ready to bring it back to the boat. I'm like, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Look down. He didn't see that fish was still sitting there. Mm-hmm. I said, leave that sucker sit there. And sure enough, wham, you know, she come up and hit it again. But, you know, like I said, there was only one hook barely holding on. So he just fed that lucky. <laughs> nice. But, you know, it happens. You know, it happens. And that's why you, you twist that rubber band, you were saying, five times. Yep. To release, yeah, to, to, well, to take the slack well, out yeah, and the break the, easier. The main design of, of the rubber band rig, um, you know, like I said, Herbie, I believe, started it, and Pete, Pete Mana, you know, started his kind, because the only thing he did with his is he turned one of the treble hooks sideways, which Drifter still sells it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. It comes out. I just, to me, I, you know, the straightening of the hook helps it come out even easier. But what they do with the rubber band is they twist. They just lift up on the rubber band, went all the way through the sucker with it already unsnapped. They pick, they pick up on it and they tuck the snap underneath the rubber band. Well, I've found through the years, it just seems like every time you know you go to set a hook, if the client didn't hit it hard enough, that rubber band is not broke. You know, so by twisting it, it takes up the slack, makes it tighter. And okay, yeah. They go to, yeah, when they go to set that hook the first time, they it normally breaks. And these rigs are all made with wire, right? There's a fluorocarb. No, they're all yeah. I I make my own. I, yeah, I make my own rigs, and they're all wire. Yeah. You know, the ninety pound. You know, ninety pound okay. wire. Yep. Seven strand. So yeah, yeah. So and, and you did say you do some trolling sometimes. You do a little. Bit yeah, we just, yeah, do. Yeah, we do a little short. Mm-hmm. Short line. Well, we do a lot of short line trolling. Like I said, if they can't, you know, you know, if it's a full day and they just can't cast for you know ten hours. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, I, I normally break it up and give them, you know, give them a little break. I, you know, tell them to bring lunch with them or whatever, and we'll just short line it for a little while and, you know, give them a break and get back out there casting. Or, and, see, I, I'm more, you know, personally, I like casting more than trolling. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it just, you know, to me, I, well, let's put it this way. I used to be a big time deer hunter years ago. And, you know, muskies, I can let them go. <laughs> I can't stick a deer and let the deer go. So, right. yep. you know, I get yep. that kind of I get that kind of buck fear. You know, when a fish is chasing chasing the bait up to the boat. You know, just yep. like you know, I get a serious rush out of that. <laughs> that's what most people do when they. I mean, that's why people do it. That's why they musky fish. Yep. Right? That there is an adrenaline there that you know. I guess if you don't feel the rush, that's you know the people quit doing it. Yeah. But you know. <laughs> Correct. But typically, what baits do you troll when you? Uh, if I'm trolling, um, you know, either you know, SS shads, um, you know, little orc crankbaits, um, jakes. Uh, let's see, big games, of course. You know, definitely, we, you know, if I'm short line trolling, you know, like the twelve inch uh, speaker sticker, you know, Tony makes a pretty good bait. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty, you know, I mean, just any kind of crankbait, you know, Crisco's, you know, craves, it really doesn't matter. You know, we, we pretty much troll them all. Yeah. I didn't know if you but, had like uh, some basement maker making you some secret bait that, that you have a go-to or anything like that. Well, no, well, I, one thing I will tell almost anybody, you know, if anybody's coming to Indiana, um, you know, bulldogs are definitely a must out here. I mean, see, personally, I'm, you know, I like fishing deep water. Um, I'm a deep water fisherman. I mean, I get up in the shallows, I'm chasing, you know, I'm chasing up on the flats. Um, but personally, I like it out in the deep water. Um, it just seems like the bigger fish are there. You know, I mean, you get out there and see our, our fish are gizzard chat. You know, our main forage is all gizzard chat. So these fish are actually out there, you know, they're, they're looking for the balls against the chat. And once you find them, you know, if you can stick with them, you know, you'll find fish. Mm-hmm. And it's usually, they're usually bigger fish. So you're finding these but, balls of bait and you're jigging these balls of bait is what you 
Or you well, cast really it just, Well, I mean, like I said, yeah, well, yeah, we, I'll stick where I'll stick right with them. You know, if I if I can keep them on the grass, I'll stay. I mean, I'll I'll stay right with that ball of shad because I know sooner or later them them muskies are not far away. You know, that's their food. You know, and they're going to follow that food everywhere everywhere across that lake. They're going to follow it. And and I also still believe that there's fish that stay deep that never come shallow. You know, I think they come shallow. You know, only when Mother Nature makes them come shallow. But they, yep. they just stay out there. They just, you know, they don't get messed with. You know, they're they're away from the pleasure boaters, and they have their food right there. I mean, you know, and, and that's one thing I tell a lot of guys. You know, you've got to really watch your figure eights. Because you may be out there in deeper water. You know, an L-cap, an L-cap, an L, you know, a little L-shape is not going to do it. There's many, many, many times. I've seen guys come out there and do one quick figure eight or an L shape and cast back out and look down. There's fish. Mm. You know, when you're in deeper water, when you're in deeper water, these fish, you know, it, it can take them, you know, four or five tail kicks to get up to that bait, and then all of a sudden you cast it out and it's sitting there in the water going, "Where'd that go?" You know. So I mean, I, you've got to maintain that figure eight for at least three, four times. I mean, you got to, you got to give that time fish to, you know, you got to give that time for that fish to get up there. Now, do you use the suckers year-round while you're casting, or just in the fall? Well, no. No, we'll use them in the spring and only in the fall. Because once the water temps start hitting that, you know, 68 degrees, it's a hard time keeping them wide. No, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I try to acclimate them the best I can in my live wells. Um, mm-hmm. Because the, the water temperature that I make getting them from the stores or, you know, the ones that I have here in my tank at home, you know, it's going to be different than the lake. So... Normally, once I get them in the live well, I get on I get on the lake, and before I put the suckers out, I you know give them a little bit of water here, you know a little bit of water. I let them get used to the lake water before I yeah, get it's them like, it's like them a out. Fish tank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's identical. It's identical fish tank. And yeah, most guys, that's just a little, that's just some of the little things that some guys don't even think about. You know, they yeah. come out, put the little rig on, put it out there, and all of a sudden that thing's stuck and it starts to die. Yeah, you know, it's because it's not used to the temperature of the lake. Yeah, yeah. How much do those suckers cost out, you know, where you're at? I know Greg told us. Uh, sometimes these, you know, they've been about $5 a piece here lately. Uh, last year, last season and this season, they were $5. season before that, they were like four fifty. Um, they, You know, they, they're, I mean, there's one shop in particular a little south of Webster, and he's he's sold them for almost you know two dollars an inch before seventy five cents to two dollars an inch, you know when he was trying to rob everybody. So I mean I don't get them from him, but uh, you know the majority of the times the shop that I deal with it's five you know this year and last year they were five hundred feet. And do you have to uh, keep a paper trail when you're using the live bait? You got to keep your receipts and where you got them from. And well, you know I've always heard that you know I've never been asked for it. So, I mean, you know, Indiana's not really as strict on it, you know, as, as because, the, you know, the bait's already coming from the bait shop. I mean, yeah, I know it is, you know, it's good to keep the receipt with you, but, you know, it's, it's pretty much the same as you guys. I and, mean, you know, with the VHS, you know, they got to watch out for the, whatever they call that. <laughs> yeah. You know, they got to really, they got to watch out for it too. So, but, but I've never been asked. I mean, I've, you know. They've never asked me where I've ever gotten them. So, I mean, it could be just our DNR officers around this area. But, you know, 
Now, I know if you, let's say, we buy them here and, let's say, go up to Michigan, you know, you better keep the receipt with you to prove that you bought it from a legit, you know, bait shop. Not some you guy know, in a trench I know Michigan. I know Michigan's more, more, you know, sticklers on it than Indiana is. Oh, yeah. Now, Bill, do you go fish uh, other places for fun, or do you just spend most of your time in Indiana? No, well, I, I, well, when I first started chasing muskies um, many years ago, <laughs> um, I used to go up to uh, Lake Tomahawk with my family when I was, you know, you know, I'm like 15 years old, 12, 13, 14 years old, and that's where I got hooked on muskies. And okay. just, I've been I've been to a lot of a lot of areas across the country, you know, chasing these fish. So I mean, it's you know just you know just we have a short little quick little funny story is my uh, wife's family is from West Virginia. We went out there quite a few years ago, and of course, you know, I'm you know got my musky shirts on. I brought musky books to kind of keep you know keep me occupied because you know, I was going to be with the in law family. So <laughs> anyway. I uh, heard Grandpa says, "Well, you need to go show you need to go show Bill the lake tomorrow." I'm like, "Well, what's the name of the lake?" Stonewall Jackson. Oh, jeez. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Light bulb went off in my head. I looked at my wife. My wife says, "Don't tell me." I says, "I'll be damned." Here I am, seven hours from my boat. I don't have any equipment, and I know I'm right by a monkey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stonewall Jackson, you know. Put out some really big fish. <laughs> yeah, I know. We've been out there a couple times since, and I still yet to actually take the boat and you know get out yeah. there and you know try it. But you know, yeah, but yeah I mean, I've, I've you know I've been into Canada and you know Minnesota, <laughs> Wisconsin. So yeah, I mean, I've, I've, if they swim somewhere, I'll try to get them. Yep. Have you been? Uh... Yeah, you primarily you know with with the lakes we have here. And the numbers that we do have, I mean, not all the lakes have, let's see, Webster, Webster is actually number five in the country for muskies. And it's basically because of our numbers. It's not the size of the lake, that's for sure. Um, but it's because of our numbers. We have five fish an acre in there, you know, and that's a lot of fish. So now all the other lakes, now all the other lakes around here only have one fish an acre. So, but, you know, those produce some really big fish, too. So, I mean, they're, you know, they're all producing some pretty good-sized fish. In fact, that's something that we've been working um, really hard, you know, with the DNR uh, about changing. We, you know, we finally changed our size limit only on Webster. We got a race from 36 to 42, which, you know, will help, but it's not, you know, it's a good step. You know, yeah. not as high as we'd like it to be. But you know, hey, they gave us forty. You know, they gave us forty-two, so we'll take. <laughs> that'll that'll save our fishery. Are, sure. you, are you noticing a lot of people keeping muskies still? Uh, yeah, yeah, we you know we do see it. Um, we do, we definitely do see it. Um, that's why we. That's why I said that's one reason we really had to push and work with the DNR about changing our size limits. Um, between you know our or between our club, the Western Lake Musty Club, and um, the Hoosier chapter, uh, we've been you know really you know on the DNR for the past two years, and they, you know they finally have started listening to us, and we're getting better fish stocked because they were they used to ninety they used to ninety day fed them you know before they before they released, them. and 
they went to a 30-day feed, you know, forage-fed. And those fish, believe it or not, they're dumb. You know, when when they were first put in the lakes, you know, they're only, they were only six inches long at that. And they're sitting in the channels, they're waiting for food. You know, they didn't know, even though it's in their blood to, you know, to be top predator in the lake, they just didn't know what to do. So when the DNR started, you know, doing, now we're getting bigger forage-fed fish, when they're getting stocked, you know, they know what to do. So we're, we're getting a better, you know, better turn on the fish now. Because for a number, for, well, let's put it this way, last year and the year before, our 30s, you know, 32s, 33s, 35s, we weren't getting any of them. We were getting all the bigger fish, which for a guide business, oh, that's great. But, you know, what's going to, what's going to replenish yeah. that? Yes, yeah. exactly. What's going to replenish those bigger fish when they start dying out or people start keeping them? So, you know, by them changing that, it really, 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 you know, it's, it started to help because we've noticed, you know, now we're starting to get, you know, the fish we'd like to see in the lake. I mean, we'd like to see bigger ones too, don't get me wrong. Everybody wants the big ones, but, you know, but that, the medium sized numbers is what we're, you know, what we've been targeting. You know? Yeah, now, I mean, with, you know, like we were talking about on Webster with five fish per acre, are you catching any little itty bitty muskies, you know, like, under two oh, foot. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, yes, oh yes. That, I mean, you, I, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, you do get, you know, you, uh, a couple weeks ago, I think we got three in one day that was 18 inches long, maybe. I, I they were definitely found, not. They were definitely not 20. I found that it's well, actually and they harder. Bigger base too. Can think about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I find that it's harder to catch an itty bitty muskie than it is to find, you know, to, than to catch, you know, a slightly above average muskie. You know, you know, right. a, a mid forty. I've caught more mid forties, which isn't a lot, than I have. You know, them little little guys under two foot. I just I can't seem to find them. Not that I'm trying to get tips on where to find itty bitty muskies, but it's you know, Todd. I, think, I mean, I think I set a record there in the early season for uh, for little muskies. I kept I kept <laughs> texting Todd. I well, was like, I, I'm not. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not targeting little muskies, but you know, I mean, it just. Yeah, to it me, happens. to see those though, you know, it, it I, you know, I feel good because I know the DNR is really on the ball at trying to keep our lakes at par the way they should be. You know, you you've got to have them smaller fish in order to take the place of the bigger fish when they start either dying out or people start keeping them. But oh, yeah. you know, most of most of the times that I, you know, that I know of, almost almost, you know, I'd say probably. 75, 80% of all the fishermen here are all, you know, catch and release. So most of them are going back in. But I'm sure there's, you know, a couple guys here and there that do, you know, they catch a big fish and go, oh, man, I'm going to catch something like that the rest of my life. And, you know, they don't let it go. They keep it. You know, but it's, you know, it's their license. You know, they paid for it. They're allowed one as long as it's over the size limit. I just hate yeah. to see it. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the one the one crazy thing you, I, is that you see sometimes. Like, I'm very careful when we get a little two footer or something. You know, I mean, you, you take mm-hmm. I take as much care of that as a big one. And I see people yeah, exactly musky fishing yeah. just reach down and like shake them off. It's kind of just a little yeah. thicker, and I'm like, well, you know, that's a hook, dude. That's a four feet no. long. It they don't start at four feet long. That's 
That's the one you want to catch in 15 years. We have to take care of those little guys the same as the big ones, you know. <laughs> I'm as careful with them, probably more careful, because you don't even try not to even bring them in the boat, try to get them unhooked in the water, because, I mean, that's the future. Uh, I just, oh, yeah. You know, well, I, I, I believe I, you, I'm, you know. You know I, I'm 110% catch and release. I mean, I, I preach yep. it, teach it. You know, I mean, I've done seminars on it around, you know, around some of the clubs in Chicago. You know, I mean, I'm I'm really big when it comes to taking care of these fish and putting them back in. You know, I mean, yep. if you, you know, you got to do it right. I mean, I, and I've actually been known to see somebody else catching a fish, you know, if they're not that far from me, you know, if, you know, as long as they're, you know, not too mad at me and I'll get up close to them and I'll watch them. You know, if they're, you know, if they need help or whatever, I'm, you know, more than happy to help them. You know, if I'm with clients, I probably won't do that. But, you know, if I'm yeah. out there by myself with some buddies, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll, you know, because I don't want, I don't want them to tear them up. You know, I, mm -hmm. you know, I, you know, they don't, you know, some guys, they just don't want to buy the good stuff. They don't want to buy a mid-back hook cutter. They don't want to, you know, yeah. you know, they don't want to, they, want, they don't want to spend the money and get, you know, a good net, you know, the hook cutters, you know, all the, all the necessary tools to do it right. And they just, you know, yeah, like, I, you know, they try to shake them off or break them or, you know, I don't want to cut a hook and, you know, I'm pulling on the fish and, yeah, that's, you know, that's not good for the fish at all. Yeah, some of that release equipment, I mean, it's it's expensive. I mean, you, It's you a small think, fortune. If you think, you know, my go-to is the net, the boga, long pliers, a big, uh, the Nipex and a larger set of like a bolt cutters almost, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's, those are my go-tos there. And that, those can, yeah, and, and you just listed $500. Mm-hmm. And that, that all, that and all that's what up. people don't understand, you know, getting into the sport. Right. Uh, or, or when they jump on my boat or your boat or Vance's boat, uh, you know, the nets are 200 you know, a, a boga to handle those little ones just to get the hook out up is another, you know, 175. Those nipex are 60 bucks. Yeah, it's 500 bucks in release tools. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> a little here, here's a little tip a lot of guys don't ever look on eBay. Yeah. Look on eBay for nipex cutters because yeah. you will, electricians will sell them dirt cheap. I've seen them on there for 10 bucks. Yeah. I don't know, you know why they're used. They're used, but I'm telling you, they'll still cut hooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're used for cutting those wires, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah, know why. They will definitely still cut <laughs> I mean, Vance gives me dirty looks. I mean, I got my, my release tools right here, and Vance, you can vouch for me. I got a gaff, I got a baseball bat, and a twenty two pistol. Yeah, and... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, less than, you're, you're less than 500. <laughs> yeah, le less than 500, though. No, I will say a gaff if done well, correctly is many years ago, but not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> a gaff, if used correctly, under the jock is is not bad. But I was meaning like the ones that they jam in the side of the yeah. fish and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> that or the uh, um, like a pitchfork, not a pitchfork. I can't think of what. One of them fish spears. They used to use them. Yeah, like the spear. Yep, like yeah. Big kick. That's what I was trying to think of. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I remember when I was a kid, I seen guys with kicks. Mm -hmm. A trident, like yeah. on Anchorman, when well, that they guy used to, threw yeah. it to the yeah. other guy. They used to use those for fish, though. They with, still with, do. With uh, you know, decoys, decoys in, in the dark house. Mm -hmm. Yep. We don't have that around here, but I mean, 
I'd love to have someone on the podcast talk about that, either either side. But. Well, they used to do that 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 one book that they they wrote, uh, Saving Chautauqua's Muskies. It's all they they give a good rundown of of those dark houses and 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 stuff like that, and 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 using the the uh, you know the five prong spear thing and, and and all that fish decoys and the uh, yeah, and those are those are those are pretty, you know they're they're an antique now. Yeah, I mean, they're you, worth you, something. They are absolutely yeah, worth something. Yeah, most guys have those. They're collectors. Mm-hmm. I don't think they really use them. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 sport is definitely uh, went one eighty on that, but uh, yeah, that's interesting history. Yeah. So I think we're we're right around. You know, we're over an hour. We're about an hour and ten into this. I gave you the homework, Bill. Give us a story. <laughs> Okay, um, this is kind of a little learning lesson, basically. Well, it's not really a learning lesson, but just, you know, uh, I had some clients come out with me. Well, uh, this lady had uh, paid for the trip almost a year in advance. It was, a, you know, a surprise birthday trip. And I kept in t- contact with them the entire time. And I told them, you know, make sure you're ready for gear. You know, you make sure you're ready for the weather. Uh, you know, all that stuff. Anyway, the day we finally, you know, met and got out there, we had 40 mile hour winds. It was like 33, 34, maybe, in the temperature. It's, it was, it's always know, better with the wind, cold, higher It was cold, value. creepy October. Okay. And we got out there, we fished the first like four and a half, five hours. We moved maybe one fish. And this, you know, this guy had, you know, he had fished muskies before. So anyway, they asked me if they can take a break and go and, you know, go into town and go buy gear, which they did not bring with them. <laughs> I'm like, hey, okay, no problem. We'll take, we'll take a little break, you know, take a little while. And, and we finally got back out there and the guy brings me his, he says, okay, can I show you my musky rod? Cause he had musky fish before he tried it somewhere up in Wisconsin. And he's, I'm like, okay, go get your rod. I'll take a look at it. And it's an eight and a half foot synchroid, you know, good rod. You know, he had a, a, a I believe it was a, a blue C4, you know, decent reel. Um, I looked at the line, and I'm like, you know, that's about 50-pound power curl. And he's like, yeah. I said, well, it'll work. I said, but, you know, we'll definitely back the drag off stuff. <laughs> I looked at his leader. Uh, you would not believe what he had on there. 99-cent uh, Kmart leader. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, looked at the, I looked at that leader, and I'm like, I looked at him, and I said, that leader's coming off right now. I, you know, I, I whipped him up a, you know, leader and put him up, put it on there. Anyway, we got out there. Um, he starts throwing, you know, one of my, um, double eights, you know, kind of homemade jobby I'd, I've made. Had a black rubber tail on it. Um, he got nipped, rubber tail came off. He asked me, he says, you know, he says, does, you know, he says, that's going to cause a problem. I said, no. I said, all it is is for exercise anyway and with extra vibration, no big deal. You know, and these fish have been hanging in the, the wind was blowing this way this way. Because it was 40 mile an hour, the winds were blowing this one shoreline. Um, you know, so fish were stacked up in there. He ended up, he ended up bagging a uh, 51. 
she was well, just shy of 51. This guy had never caught a musk before in his life. And, and what, you guys we are just her, throwing up into, into like the, like, there might have been a mud line from the shore, or were you far enough off to where there might well, be? Well, we were, well, it was, the fish were actually up in like that three, four, five foot stuff. And I kept us out, you know, away from all that, and we were casting up to it coming back out. Okay. And, like I said, he had gotten nipped, he missed that fish. You know, and about maybe five minutes later, because like I said, he had just brought it, you know, he brought that in. He says, oh, man, it fit the tail on. Is that going to cause a problem? I says, now, just, you know, we'll just tear the rest of that grub off and just go back to camping. About five more casts, he popped that fish. We got her in the bag, you know, and, you know, and the first thing he said to me after we let her go, he was all pumped, of course, you know, he's, you know, he's like, oh, my God, thank God you changed that leader. Thank God you changed that leader, you know. <laughs> Because he didn't, he, he didn't realize that 99 cents eagle claw leader was not going to handle a 51 inch fish. <laughs> yep. I mean, Todd, you've said that many, many. That, that's how I knew I, because Todd. I, 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 I say, I mean, uh, there's people bring their. I supply all the trolling gear. The guys have their own casting rod. I say, go ahead, bring And I do the same thing. Sometimes guys show up and they say, well, is this 35 mono going to work? Yeah, I'm going to give you a little bit different bait off. You can throw it a little bit, you know, and the whole time yeah. I'm thinking, oh, gosh, if you get something off. But, uh, yeah, if you get some the fish, it's going to, yeah. Yeah, but that's the main thing. I mean, if there's if, there, if there's one thing that I see all the time, this guy's bring, you know, they'll have a, you know, Shimano Calcutta and a St. Croix rod and, you know, $60 worth of line on it. And they have those thirty-pound mm-hmm. Walmart leaders, eagle claw yeah, leaders. I cannot it's believe all the time. Don't know. Yeah, and it's like I mean, all this equipment. You know, it's a, you could have a a hundred-pound test on there if you're if you're leaders is one of those little snappy things. I don't even wouldn't even use those things for walleye. Uh, <laughs> you know, but that's. Uh, you know, they, they, they buy, you, you can buy all this stuff at the store, and a lot of the stores that they're buying that stuff at just don't have the, uh, they don't the, have the, 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 right. the, the leaders, you know, and, uh, yeah, all the time. I give away leaders all the time to guys, because it's like, just like you said, I just say, okay, I'm not going to let you throw my bait on that leader. Uh, here, I'll put a leader on for you. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I, like, I make my own, you know, whether it's sure. either the hard wire. Or a seven strand, or even four. Um, you know, I mean, I, I yeah. make my own. It's just, I mean, I do buy. You know, I mean, sometimes I will buy um, John. You know, from Stealth Leaders. You know, I'll buy yeah. his leaders sometimes. I love his leaders. Um, you know, I mean, I kind of use his over mine sometimes when it comes to the floor car. And his knots are just a heck of a lot better. But, <laughs> but you know, I, yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, you can't use that cheap stuff. You just you yeah, know, you can't and that. That's one thing, like we were talking about the Nifex. Uh, one quick little story, and just to kind of prove that people, if they don't believe it, they need to break down and get the Nifex. Um, years ago, um, before I met my wife and bought a house and everything else and had a garage for my boat, um, I had everything outside. I mean, I you know lived in a trailer right there by the lakes. So anyway, every night, I bought all my stuff in. My kids were young enough, and they were chasing each other through the house. You know, and I kept telling them, you know, watch out for the tubes. 
you know, don't don't get hooked by anything. Well, sure enough, my daughter had got the hook put right in her ankle. Yeah. When, when, it went in one side and came out the other. Luckily, it came out. Mm-hmm. I had grabbed my $8 cheapy, you know, bolt cutters, and they kept going sideways. They wouldn't cut the hook. I bet you that felt great. I had a really good friend, you know, to this day, I still thank Kevin for doing this. He flew over to my house from his house with his nipex. One second, boom, she was off the, she was off the hook. Literally. You know, it just, it, nice pun. It proves them cheap ones will not cut a, they won't cut a hook if you, and that's right, and I use that little story to tell a lot of people too. You know, if you get pinned to a fish, you want to be able to cut that hook as soon as possible. Whether you got to, you know, cut it in, you know, cut it off at the shank and then go to the mercy room, you want to get cut away from that fish, you know, and that nipex is not going to fail you. It's not going to fail you. They will cut them every time. Yes, they yep. will. So, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Well, Todd, you got any more questions? No, I mean, we're good. It's, it's interesting stuff there. Uh, I, I know Indiana's been a good uh, good fishery. I mean, it was just coming on. I mean, it was, it was really getting popular years ago when, when they were starting the PMTT and stuff. And, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I wish they'd come here, but our lakes aren't big enough, I don't Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Like, it was neat to I mean, unless, unless they had done it like we do the Hoosier Classic. See, we get, you know, we do the Hoosier Classic. I'm sure you guys have seen it every time. Uh, we don't do mm-hmm. it. Our, uh, the Hoosiers down south, they do it. The other club does it. We've got all, all systems. All You know, you get the Tippy, You get Tippy, Webster, and the Barbie chain. And it's three days. It's a three-day tournament. And each, you know, each day you're in a different body of water. You know, I'm yeah. sure the PNCP could do something like that if they really wanted to. But I still mm-hmm. think, you know, we've got enough water for the PNCP. Yeah, personally, I mean, I don't know how many boats they normally have, but mm-hmm. yeah, and I, it, yeah, it, it, it was just you know, it, it was a place that everyone was looking at. I was on the on the uh, rules and ethics committee, and I mean, we were looking around, and yeah, you know, they, they want lakes that are like eight thousand minimum. <laughs> so right, yeah, yeah, you know, just just because you're you're taking hundred and twenty five boats there at times, right. so, yeah. But it, I I always. Uh, through going to Wisconsin and Minnesota a few times, and uh, I know there's been a lot of nice years to that went Yeah, yeah, get out there and do it sometime, yeah. Here's a question. Well, if you, ever do, if you ever do happen to try it, um, three things I would definitely tell you to have on the boat, a kick and minnow, a kick, you know, a storm kick and minnow, mm-hmm. that is a really good bait around here. Um, you know, they're cheap, they're inexpensive. A black bulldog, um, usually the mags. The mags work a lot better. And then uh, definitely, you know, if you do trolling, you know, the uh, stickers, the 12-inch sticker stickers is really good, too. Cool. So there but, it is. You know, I mean, almost any base will work, but just, those, you know, those are the ones that, yeah. you know, I nearly tell by definitely have on your boat because these fish like them for some odd reason. Yep. Oh. That's what, uh, that's what, you know, that you do for a living. You should, you know, you should kind of know what's going on. I mean, you do this full time, right? You, do, you guide full time? 
No, well, I tried guys full time, but it, you know, doesn't always happen that way. I mean, ships, you know, I noticed years ago um, that when the economy was going bad, trips went bad too. People just didn't have the extra money. Yep. But I've noticed in the past, you know, trips have definitely came up for me in the past um, two years. Okay. So, you know, I'm, I'm you know, it's getting, and we do have one, one full time guide that's here all the time. Um, you know, not that he's booked all the time. But he, you know, he probably takes the majority of the trips. And then, you know, there's, you know, like I said, that's pretty much it. And, then, you know, I, I take, you know, afternoon trips and uh, weekend trips normally. Nice. Mm-hmm. Unless nice. I can fit something, you know, unless I, you know, somebody has to get out and I can fit it in, so. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Good deal. Well, Bill, it was, uh, you know. We try to keep podcasts about this length. It was it was fun. We talked a lot of. I mean, we don't know much about sucker fishing, Mm-mm. and uh, <laughs> you know, so, well, hopefully you learn something about it. <laughs> well, I mean, the biggest thing is finding them around here, other than catching your own. But right, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the way we used to do it: catch some suckers and chubs and take them down and fish with them. But that was um. 30 years, yeah, years, years ago, before they changed, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, before they changed the laws. <laughs> yeah, now, now, now we just can't get them. I wouldn't, every time someone talks about it a little bit, I mean, I picture ourselves out there casting all the time, and, uh, man, if there was a sucker behind the boat, we <laughs> 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 might pick up a few extra fish. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, I, I guarantee you probably would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Bill, get your plugs out there again. Uh, yeah, if anybody wants to get a hold of me or, you know, they, um, my cell number is area code 219-201-6123. Uh, my website is uh, com. And then I'm also on Facebook. They can look me up under William Bennett or uh, I've got the guide service there on Facebook too. So, I mean, I'm... I'm not that far away. I'm usually around somewhere. <laughs> I'm always around the message boards or Musky First or what, places. What's your screen name on Musky First? Uh, let's see. Or, or, or wait, hold one. on. If you don't want to say, that's all right. Our, no, 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 no. Archery Nut 36. <laughs> okay, what was that again? Archery Nut 36. Okay, I don't remember. I don't think we've ever gotten a fight on Musky First together. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but maybe, I don't know, it's been a while since I've been on there, but you know, I just ever since Facebook really came, I don't know why, but I mean I just I go back on there every once in a while just to see what's going on with you know, people and what they're chatting about. But I don't hang on there as much as I used to. But, you know, I mean if they ever sent me if they send me a PM through there, I'm sure I'll get it. Yeah, it's just you know, that that it's that's pretty much where you go to fight over musky stuff. The police. I, I love. I love. Yeah, musky first. yeah. If you're, I, yeah, I know a lot of guys that won't go there anymore just for a simple fact that all you know all the fights that you know happen. I mean, you got certain guys that you put you can put a plug on anything in there. They don't like it. They pull it off. You know. So. Yeah. And that's not you know that's not good for them, but that's just the way they run their site. Yeah. So. Well. It took us a couple months to get you on here, but we finally synced up. It was it was a good time. Uh, hey, I'm glad. You know, I'm, I'm you know it, I appreciate it big time, and I enjoy talking to you guys. That's for sure. Yeah, you guys ho- put on a pretty good podcast. Thanks, and uh, tell all your buddies you're you're going to be famous. Mm-hmm. 
That wasn't all, a joke. We're, we're, yeah. We got, well, I got well, a message guys, right now. Nipex wants to sponsor of, us. You got to think, some of the bigger guys out there came from India. Yeah. Yes, they have. I mean, Mike, Mike Holbert came from here. Uh, Spencer came from here. You know, I mean, Indiana has produced, uh, you know, it's taught a lot of guys how to, you know, how to, what to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our, our lakes aren't that big. So, I mean, it's, you know, there's days out there that you shake your head going, man, what's wrong with these fish? There's so many fish in here. But, you know, there's a lot of days you can get get a lot of them. So Nice. That's musky fishing. <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. Yep. I appreciate it, guys. Okay. All, All right. right. Hey, thanks, Phil. Thanks. All right. Okay. Yep. Bye. Right, well, uh, I guess we'll just we're, this where it ends. So, yeah. I guess if you guys can still fish, uh, good luck fishing, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.